This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. We have the Oilers Eskimos doubleheader tomorrow on 6:30. Chad, 11:30 faceoff show from Rogers Place. One o'clock puck drop as the Oilers take on the Flames. They fly to Europe right after the game. We'll have uh, overtime open line until 4:30. Then countdown to kickoff, and then the play-by-play Eskimos and Bombers at five. Full day of sports here on 6:30. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, been a pretty uh, difficult uh, week and a half here or so for uh, for a young man from the Edmonton area. Uh, Braden Pelche is his name. And to let you know what happened and what is going on, I uh, bring his parents, Karen and Danny, uh, Karen and Danny Pelche, onto the show. Uh, Karen, Danny, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? We're good. We're doing okay. Yeah, well, I appreciate you joining me tonight and uh, being willing to, to share uh you know what what Braden and what your family ha- has gone through uh, over the last uh, week and a half or so here. Um, I, I guess let's start at the ver- very beginning. Um, can you tell me, uh, you know, what happened to Braden uh, last Tuesday? Some of the things that uh, that started happening and, and eventually uh, led to being him being in the hospital. Sure. So. Yeah, it was a pretty difficult day for us last Tuesday. We sent our little boy off to school and we headed off to work and it was just a normal day. And we came home and picked him up from the day home. And at that point, his sister told us, oh, Brayden fell asleep at school today. And, you know, we were a little surprised, but not completely shocked because he is in grade one and he went from doing half days in kindergarten to full days in grade one. So he's been a bit tired and we didn't really think a whole lot about it and he was tired on the way home and then he slept while we made supper but he got up and ate dinner with us and uh we didn't notice anything at that point until he took a drink of milk and it kind of sprayed out of his mouth but again he's six and he spills his milk twice a week anyways so we weren't really concerned at that point and so immediately after supper i sat down to do his homework with him and his words weren't sounding correct in the way he was saying them. And I'm not sure what, like what made me do it, but I asked him to look at me and he did. And I said, Braden, can you smile at me? And so he did. And only half his face moved. Um, and then I kind of at that point just said, okay, buddy, stop fooling around. I, I really need to see a full smile. And can you do it? And he did. And still just half his face moved. So Danny had been outside working and I called him in and I said, you need to look at this. And so he came in right away and he, same thing, we asked Brayden to smile for him and Danny and I just looked at each other and, you know, we said, 
is he having a stroke? And we both just kind of thought, like, no, that's not possible, but it's certainly what it looks like to us. So um, we took him into the hospital right away, and they reacted um, really very quickly with him at the Sturgeon in St. Albert. As soon as we took him into the emergency, they kind of said, oh, what's going on with your little guy? And, you know, we said half his face isn't moving. And they said, yep, no problem. Come on right back. And we didn't wait around. They took us right back. The doctor came to see us immediately and he had already called the stallery and the ambulance and um from there we were sent to the stallery and uh it was lights and sirens the whole way at speeding and i got there with him i rode in the ambulance with him and there was six doctors and six nurses all waiting in a room for his arrival so you know um it was pretty terrifying because to see that many people at the stallery waiting for your child to arrive you know that something bad is in their mind. Well, Karen, thanks for taking us through that day. I mean, obviously, I I, I know that's 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 difficult to to take us through everything that that happened. And and, and Danny, obviously, you too. Tell us a little bit about his his recovery uh, since then. Uh, I mean, I got to admit, I, I I didn't know that a six year old could have a stroke. So that that kind of surprised me when I, when I first started talking to you guys. Uh, how's how's he doing since? What are we looking at here for a recovery now? Yeah, so that was pretty shocking for us as well. Um, we were told at the Stollery that the chances of this happening in a child his age are one in a hundred thousand, and there's really there's no risk factors. There's no reason for what kid it happens to and what it doesn't. It's basically like getting struck by lightning or winning the lottery it just happens to some people and others it doesn't and so he um yeah he spent eight days in the stallery and they were really really amazing with him there and trying to track down exactly what happened um to him and why and we don't really have that answer still um they did in doing all of their diagnostic tests on him. So he received CT scans, MRIs, echocardiograms, um, different ultrasounds, countless blood tests, um, bubble testing on his heart. And so they did discover, um, it's called a PFO, which stands for a patent form and oval, which is like a small hole or flap in his heart. And so they can't say for sure that that's what happened, but you know, um, we were kind of told if you were a betting man, since you've seen that there, you may think that that's where a clot at least passed from one side to the other and up to his brain. Um, but he's really been so remarkable. He, you know, the first night was terrifying. He went from not walking or talking. Um, and, you know, now, Eight, nine days later, he is out of the salary and he's now a patient of the Glen Rose. And so we have a long road ahead of us in terms of recovery, but he is already walking and running around and starting to use his arm and his hand more. And each day his speech continues to get better, which is pretty amazing because adults just don't recover the same way children do. So um, if an adult had the same stroke as Brayden, like it affected the left side of his brain. So the right side of his body shows the signs and the symptoms afterwards. And he, you know, an adult would take one or two steps in the time that he has went from not walking to running basically. So 
he started um, his rehab with the Glen Rose, and they said that they're hopeful um, within a couple months that physically he may be completely back to normal. Um, cognitively, those fine motor things may take a bit longer, but, you know, he, he's been really so amazing so far that we're very, very optimistic that that's where he'll end up. But, you know, he's a grade one student and he, he won't be returning to school probably for several months because of this rehab, but the Glen Rose will add schooling into his schedule there as he's able to. It's just a bit early for that. Uh, right now since the swelling on a brain takes you know at least three weeks to go down and so kind of um, putting those things before him right now would be a bit overwhelming so that's something in his future that they'll they'll bring in as he's able to but you know he's really he's excited about the things they do there it's fun they have an oilers room which he's really excited about and so far, so far, it's been really great. Well, it sounds like uh, he's he's a pretty tough kid. Uh, Danny and Karen Pelche joining us on Inside Sports. They're sharing the story of their six-year-old son, Braden, who uh, had a stroke last Tuesday. Uh, and, and the the way I, I first uh, found out about this was uh, through through a friend of yours, uh, Henry, who had a picture of uh, uh, you know him in some Oilers gear. Uh, can, can one of you? Um, touch on uh, what hockey and the Oilers mean to him in his life, and and is that uh, is is talking about the team or, or following the game something that you think might uh, might help him through this process? Oh, it definitely, he definitely does look forward to to you know all the Oilers stuff, and he uh, you know he, he he's pretty drawn to McDavid, and like a lot of kids are, you know, he's definitely a good role model. And uh, he looks forward to, you know, watching all the games with me, and he's pretty drawn to it, and he gets gets excited. And uh, he's definitely not going to be playing hockey for a few months, so uh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, so that's been a little bit, you know, that's a hard, heartbreaking part for us because hockey is such a love of his life right now, and he this would be his third year of hockey that actually would be starting this weekend for him. So he, he's not ready for that. But um, I think in speaking with some of the people in his hockey organization, they've said that they'll make sure he's put on the team and when he's ready, he can join them and that place will be there for him. So yeah, the McDavid angle was kind of just something that Braden was really, he wanted to talk about it in the hospital and he was excited about it because he likes hockey and that was just something um, kind of exciting and fun for him and whether something comes from that or not is really, you know, for him it would be great. It would bring kind of a rainbow to what's in a dark situation, but um, it's really not about that. Like, I'm, it's already gotten so much exposure and shares between, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and I'm certain probably not everyone, but I'm guessing some people have at least Googled and checked out what a pediatric stroke means and, and the signs and the symptoms of it because it is so uncommon and most people don't really think that can happen to a kid. So they sort of have seen his story and hopefully enlighten themselves a little bit about that. And that's really what we're hoping to do with this is bring some um, awareness to pediatric strokes now and, you know, if we can and bring something bright to our son's day uh, through the Oilers, even better.
Well, and, and I, I appreciate you sharing the story and, and letting people know about pediatric strokes because that, that's something that, that certainly uh, I didn't know about for sure. Uh, Danny and Karen, again, thank you. I'll just kind of leave it uh, open-ended here. Is, is there anything else you wanted to say or, or anything else that was important for you to get out there? Um, no, I'm just hoping that when people hear this that they will kind of look at those things. Like, I can, I can point out some of those signs myself. So when we um, ourselves looked at pediatric strokes, we noticed, um, this is in adults as well, so if you see face drooping, arm weakness, or speech difficulty, and especially all of those together, it's time to call 911. And our son exhibited all of those things. And uh, in children, there's even more signs that can show up. So... Um, severe sudden headaches, especially with vomiting and extreme sleepiness. So Brayden had extreme sleepiness. Uh, another sign is vision loss or double vision. I don't think he experienced those. Um, there's also weakness or numbness on one side of the body, and he had that. His whole right side was affected, his legs, his arms. He, you know, couldn't grip a pencil or write. He he didn't have any strength there. There's also severe dizziness or loss of coordination and onset of seizures. So luckily he didn't experience seizures, but he did, you know, kind of have some of those extra signs. And I just hope that this information gets out to people. And if it helps someone else, um, you know, when they see this to react and, and to respond, then, then we've done our job. Well, well said. Danny and Karen, thank you for sharing this story. I, I hope we can keep in touch. Uh, I, I know Braden is, is so strong, and, and I'm, I'm happy to hear that he's, he's already getting better. And uh, I'd be thrilled if, if, uh, if when he's feeling better, if he ever wants to call in after an Oilers game, Rob Brown and I would be happy to have him. But thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah, of course, and um, certainly I think he, he would love that. Thank you very much, Karen and Danny Pelche on Inside Sports tonight, telling you what happened to their six-year-old son, Braden. Last Tuesday, he had a stroke. That's right, at the age of six, he had a stroke. So his uh, schooling uh, a little bit uh, derailed here, his hockey career a little bit derailed, but as you heard them describe in that interview, he is starting to get better. Uh, Man, uh, you could hear the emotion during that interview, and uh, that's been a, a tough week for Braden, but it sounds like uh, he's going to soldier on and, and get through this tough time for that family. But uh, they wanted to get the message out about that this can happen to a six-year-old, and there were some of the, the classic signs if you want. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I call them that uh, of a stroke, even though he's he's only six. Thanks to Karen and Danny for coming on Inside Sports tonight. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Nugent 
McDavid and likely Toby Reeder align tomorrow. Ty Ratty banged up, according to head coach Todd McClellan. Same deal for Chris Russell. Neither one to play tomorrow. It's hoped they'll be ready for the start of the regular season next Saturday in Sweden against the New Jersey Devils. Friday night football, Argos 7 Stampeders 6 about halfway through the first quarter. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with Southern Classics and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. You can text 630-630, our open line number 780-496-0063. Really appreciate Karen and Danny Pelche coming on the show. Their six-year-old son, Braden, had a stroke last Tuesday, so they let you know uh, how that happened and how he's doing since. So we'll keep in touch with them. And, of course, we uh, wish Braden and the family all the best. Luke texting in. He says the Eskimos better get their act together. Too many lapses on defense and offense. Not good. And Luke adds, uh, FYI, Movie World in Stony Plain is still in the rental business. Movie World in Stony Plain. Another future potential segment here on Inside Sports, Kellen. Mm-hmm. And I've had a couple of calls off air tonight about the lobby down on White Ave, but we've, well, had, we've had Kevin, Kevin on. We've had Kevin Martin on the show. Yep. We've had Kevin Martin the curler on the show, but another Kevin Martin owns the lobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it, White Ave? Uh, is it 108th? It's, 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 mm. underneath, it's in the basement underneath a daycare. And it's an alternative movie rental store. A lot of horror movies, and it's under a daycare. Oh, so the kids, when they're old enough, they just go down and grab a film. But yeah, we have the the lobby, one of the better known ones, I would think, in Edmonton. And we have had Kevin on the show before. Uh, people actually called in about that? Yeah. Well, oh, that's amazing. I've had a couple of people call, call me about it. Maybe they have the latest horror flick from Gritty. I've noticed he's been taking out fans in Philadelphia <laughs> well, already. Well, Jay and Dan did a, did a fake movie trailer. I saw that <laughs> with uh, with Gritty in it. I, I, hey, I think Gritty's great. We had the create is the, is the interview with the creator of Gritty on the Oilers page on the Oilers page at six All right, so if if you want to hear what the creator of Gritty was thinking, you you can get that. And uh, is the Sean Burke interview there as well? Uh, did you put it up? It oh, will you'll be. put it up now. It will be. You put it up now. That's good stuff. All right. <laughs> Tell you what, Doug Brown, one of my favorites, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, now an analyst for the team. He'll check in. Al Montoya on waivers today for the purpose of being assigned to Bakersfield. Shane Sterrett will be the Oilers' emergency goalie in Europe. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Over at Footfield, a minute left in the first quarter. Canada West football, UBC 10, Alberta Golden Bears nothing. Golden Bears hockey starts their regular season tomorrow. Defenseman Jason Fram will join us later on this half hour. At Rogers Place, a minute left in the first period. The 3-0 Edmonton Oil Kings are up 2-0 on the Swift Current Broncos. Ethan Cap has his first of the season. Brett Kemp has his fourth. 
And in the CFL, three and a half minutes left in the first quarter, Toronto 7, Calgary 6. My name is Reed Wilkins. We have Oilers hockey on this station tomorrow, and then we'll go into Eskimos football against the Blue Bombers. Former Bomber, now an analyst with the team on CJOB, Doug Brown. Doug, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I can't complain. Thanks for having me. Yeah, always great to have you on the show. Still two meetings left between the Bombers and uh, the Eskimos, and if... uh, if one team wins both, well, they're going to make the playoffs and they'll probably stay in the top three in the West Division. If one team uh, loses both, uh, they're probably fighting for a crossover or maybe even to make the playoffs overall. Pretty bunched up there in the West, eh? Yeah, it's always pretty tight and uh, every game matters. And these, that's, you know, these are four-point games. You get two points for yourself, you take two away from the Western Division opponent you're going up against. So critical, pivotal, however you want to describe it. Yeah, these uh, interdivision games are huge. You know, we've described the Eskimo season as, as pretty up and down as, and, and pretty inconsistent, but that, that might apply to anybody in the West not named Calgary. Uh, I mean, you, you look at the Bombers, they're able to beat Montreal last week, couple of losses to Saskatchewan, lost to Calgary, you know, really bad loss uh, against Ottawa at home. So, uh, I mean, they've been very up and down too. Well, what do you think the has been mostly with Winnipeg that's led to the inconsistency. You know, it's something about these third seasons, uh, third-year teams. Uh, you know, the last two years, they obviously had winning records. They played very well. They had a home playoff game. They were both playoff bound. Something about groups in Winnipeg, when they're when they're kept together for, for a third year, when a nucleus is kept together for a third year, I don't know. They lose their mojo. They underperform. So uh, it's it's really bizarre. And uh, you know, I think it starts with Matt Nichols, who has totally fallen off from his numbers the past two seasons. Uh, nowhere near as productive. Nowhere near the kind of ball security we saw the last two seasons. Um, accuracy. We, we saw him take some chances and force some footballs downfield. Things he's never really done. Things that were outside of his identity. And uh, even though the defense is, is marginally better, uh, they're nowhere near the kind of uh, takeaways they were getting the last two years. They were ball hawking in the secondary, giving up a ton of yards, but they would always find a way at the end of games to make a pivotal play to, to give the team an opportunity to win. And, and that's kind of been, that's gone away from this team. And, you know, to sum it up, uh, that turnover thing, I think, explains the the misfortune and the inconsistency of this football team of late every single game where they won the turnover battle they're undefeated they won the game and every single game they've lost the turnover battle they've lost the game they have not won they've never been able to overcome uh, a discrepancy in in uh, ball security so uh, that used to be their mo the last two years they would always always win that turnover battle they would get that possession. They didn't make mistakes on offense. And uh, for some reason, third time unlucky, uh, it's historically been this way with uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And this football team is unfortunately following that track of underperforming in the third year of a regime. Blue Bombers analyst Doug Brown joining us on Inside Sports tonight. Uh, you know, Andrew Harris continues to be one of the best players in the CFL. I'm going to throw the MOP question at you, Doug. Riley obviously won it last year and has eye-popping stats once again. I think you got to look at William Powell, who's leading the league in rushing and is, and is vital to everything Ottawa does. And you know Bo Levi Mitchell's sitting back there and saying, oh, hey, by the way, I'm the quarterback on a 10-2 and team. And, you know, I, I always reference this a couple of years ago. Ago, 
show, I, I asked him the MOP question when I had him on midseason, and he says, it's me. He goes, I don't have to throw the ball in the fourth quarter, so my stats aren't going to be as good. Um, I mean, to me, Powell's maybe kind of emerged as a leading candidate. How do you look at it? Yeah, you know, I like Riley. What is he on pace for 54 touchdown passes or something this season? Isn't that? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's close to 60, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's 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 pretty impressive. It'll come down to how he finishes, so on and so forth. But, you know, Andrew Harris has had a spectacular year. Obviously, if he wins the rushing record, he'll be up there in consideration for most upstanding Canadian. Um, I don't know, unless this team's fortunes really turn around, I don't know if he can win that award. You know, the thing that teams are starting to do, especially with the way Matt Nichols has struggled of late, they've just sold out and bought and gone all in on just stopping Andrew Harris, taking Andrew Harris out of the equation, seeing if the Winnipeg Blue Bomber offense can beat them without him being a large factor. And uh, of late, the answer has been no, they cannot. So, uh, uh, you know, that makes it tough for him now that teams are starting to key on him and identify him as a factor that if they can eliminate that they can take away his prowess and his uh, multi-dimensional ability off the football field. They stand a very good chance of winning the game. Uh, I don't know if that's going to bode well for him statistically uh, coming down the stretch here. He's already been caught in the rushing race, so on and so forth. He doesn't have the, the receiving yards he had last year where he almost got that 1,000-1,000. So um, he's certainly going to be in, in consideration. He's certainly going to be the most outstanding player candidate, I believe, for this football team. But I think his best bet is probably that most outstanding Canadian in a, a back-to-back uh, opportunity. Doug, you played in the CFL for uh, over a decade. Tell me a little bit about fall football, right? I mean, you're in camp in uh, you know late May or early June. Uh, you play about half the season before Labor Day and, and about half after, depending on the season. It's not quite 50-50, but, uh, but generally. Uh, I mean, is, is, is fall football differently, or, or does it feel a little different going to work uh, when you're a player at this time of year in Canada, or how would you describe it from your memories? Yeah, well, first and foremost, if you're a lineman, fall for football is ideal because it's uh, not too hot for us, right? It allows our large uh, bodies to cool down a little bit better. So we really appreciate this time of year where we're not overheating in our our little uh, tight Lycra suits and, and sweating like ridiculous people out there. So, yeah, fall weather is always a pleasant, refreshing change. We get a little more spring in our step when you're a lineman, but... You know, for a player, I think uh, it's the recognition of how impacting these games down the stretch are. Um, and, and you just uh, understand that you're jostling for position. You know, you're, you're battling for a playoff spot. You're battling for home field advantage. You, you, you know, it dawns on you. You realize that, you know, if you're the best team in your division, you win one game, you get to go to the Grey Cup kind of thing. There's a, there's a lot of things to be had. There's a lot of opportunity that, that is linked to the fall football time and, and weather for a player. So a lot of teams you really see uh, guys get focused in and uh, they're able to switch gears and, and start playing with a, a level of precision and execution you maybe didn't see in the first third or even first half of the football season. Well, Doug, I know your focus as a broadcaster is never higher when you step into the booth at Commonwealth Stadium. So enjoy your perch tomorrow. <laughs> Hope you have a great time in our city. Going to be a fun couple games down the stretch here between the Bombers and the Eskimos. Yeah, they're always great when they mean something to both teams. So, you, you know, there's a lot at stake and uh, should be a, a very exciting uh, match between the two teams. Thanks for having me on. Doug Brown, always good to get him on the show. Played for the Bombers, now an analyst with the team. They come in at 6-7, and seven, Eskimos at 7-6. and six. 
Uh, man, Calgary getting a little beat up here. Uh, a couple of receivers already out, and Reggie Bagleton helped off the field. Looked like an upper body issue with him, so that's something to keep an eye on. Instead of punting from deep in their own end, the Argos concede a safety. Calgary goes up 8-7 with 17 seconds left in the first quarter. The National Champs back to work tomorrow night. Home opener, Canada West for the U of A Golden Bears. Defenseman of the Year, Jason Fram, when we get back. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chan. All right, really appreciate you tuning in this evening. Quick update from Rogers Place. After the first period, Oil Kings up 2-0 on the Swift Current Broncos. Tomorrow, 7 o'clock, Claire Drake Arena. It starts again for the Golden Bears hockey team. They will be taking on their arch rivals, the Saskatchewan Huskies. Last year, Golden Bears defenseman Jason Fram was named the best defenseman in all of Canadian university hockey. Jason, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Doing very well. Thanks for making time for us. I know the week weekend has the Canada West season starting up and man the schedule maker decided to get it going with a bang hey eh? you guys taking on the Saskatchewan Huskies right off the hop yeah they uh they didn't want to wait around for uh, for that match but yes what do you what do you how can you describe this rivalry Jason uh I think uh you know it's two two good hockey teams you know we uh we play each other pretty hard you know we both know uh what the other team's capable of you know any uh like with any team, I guess it, you know a game could go either way on uh, on any night. But especially with uh, with us, we know it's going to be a, a high intensity and uh, high talent uh, kind of game. You obviously played them in last year's national semifinal, which you guys were able to uh, beat them in overtime uh, on the way to winning the national title. So, uh, you know, obviously you, you play them a lot in Canada West regular season and in playoffs. But uh, t- was it was it different facing them? You know, in a neutral site in, in the national tournament, did that game have a different vibe to it, or what was it like? No, I think uh, I think we know each other pretty well. Like you said, we play each other quite a bit. And over the last couple of years, especially, you know, the regular season playoffs and everything. Um, and yeah, you know, it's, it's obviously a little bit different uh, being at nationals and uh, like you say, like a neutral setting, but, but the game itself, I think uh, is still pretty, pretty much the same. We, uh, like I said before, we, uh, we're going to play them hard and they're going to play us hard. It's going to be a high intensity kind of game. And, and that's kind of what, uh, what happened last year. Um, didn't matter where it was. We knew that both teams were going to come out and play their best. And that's, uh, that's what happened. Jason, you're going into your third year as a Golden Bear. Obviously, last year, you know, the team success, you guys won nationals. You had individual success as you were named U Sports Defenseman of the Year. You know, awesome season for you. What do you think uh, allowed you to excel so much last year? I think, uh, I think, like you said, the, the, team, the team had a lot of success. You know, obviously winning a national championship. It kind of allows for, for guys within the program to do well. And it kind of works both ways where you need guys to do well to to win. And when you win, guys do well. And I think it kind of, you know, playing with uh, with some really talented players here, obviously. Uh, our team is very deep. We got a lot of really good hockey players. Um, and that's that kind of reflected on me. And uh, I think it reflected on a lot of guys on our team. You know, going into your third year, do you, you know, I mean, you still have eligibility left after this year, obviously. But do you feel like you're, you know, maybe one of the little more experienced guys, one of the older guys? Do you look to take on more leadership, or how do you approach that part of your game? 
Yeah, I think definitely with with uh, with our recruiting class for our third year, we're you know, 11 of us or 12 of us, or whatever it is. Um, that's a, obviously a pretty good chunk of our team. So uh, with uh, with some of the younger guys, well, I say younger, but you know we're not really too young anymore. But um, we definitely look upon ourselves as you know as being kind of the older guys, even though we're kind of right smack in the middle of the team. But I think it's definitely it's on all of us to, to kind of play leadership roles, and it's obviously beneficial when most of the guys have had those leadership roles in the past. Um, like you look at our two new recruits, both of them were captains last year in the Western League, and that makes it a lot easier on uh, on our actual leaders. But uh, I think it, it definitely still takes a little bit from everybody. Jason Fram joining us on Inside Sports Defenseman for the U of A Golden Bears Canada West opener tomorrow at seven at Claire Drake against the Saskatchewan Huskies. Jason, tell us, you know, take us back to to committing to the U of A. Why was the, the Golden Bears program the choice for you? I, I mean, I know it, uh, it it comes with uh, with a lot of high expectations. It also comes with a lot of internal competition because they generally get a lot of good players, uh, and, and sometimes you might have to uh, you know adjust to maybe a different role than what you might have had on a junior team well why was the golden bears the ultimate choice for you i think a lot of what you said was right you know uh there's a lot of that kind of expectation that this uh this is going to be a winning program and i think that's kind of what attracts a lot of the guys here um like i know most of our teams from from Edmonton, or at least from alberta but for uh, a bc guy especially you know this is the first time you have a choice of kind of where you want to go you know when we go in the western league you get drafted uh you get signed or whatever it is, you don't really have a choice. You have one team to go to and you have to make that team. Whereas with this, you kind of had a choice for the first time and, you know, you definitely want to look at the school and the programming and all that. But I think the, the storied franchise that's, that's here in U of A um, and, you know, the history of winning, it's definitely a big factor. And, and that's something that draws a lot of guys here. Um, and then also talking with, with other guys that, you know, from, from back home or guys you play against, I think, uh, definitely makes a bit, a bit more of an influence knowing that that uh, you're going to have a really good recruiting class to come in with. Jason, what are you studying? I'm in business right now. Okay, good stuff. All right, well, I wish you the best as the season gets going here. i got to ask you about a former teammate. You played with him on the Spokane Chiefs. He's uh, looking very good to be an Edmonton Oiler for the for the start of the season. Uh, I, I don't know if, uh, if you're surprised, given the determination level you probably saw from this young man when you were a teammate. What can you tell us about Kyler Yamamoto? Yeah, he, like you said, determination is, is a really big word uh, that I'd use to describe him. Obviously not the biggest guy, uh, not especially now, but even in junior, still not uh, not overly large. But he just has a nose for the net. He obviously has a lot of talent, and he uses it so well. He's fast. He can think. He's got a shot. And he doesn't let size kind of hold him back. And, you know, I'm not surprised at all that he's put himself in this position this year where he can, he can kind of crack the lineup. And I think he showed that off last year, too. You know, he was here for, I think it was the nine games before they sent him back, and and even then, they were thinking about keeping him. So I, uh, I'm not surprised at all that that he's here and he's doing this well. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I see him in the lineup opening day. Well, right on. Well, Jason, thanks for making time for us here. Uh, I know it's a, a busy time getting ready for the home opening weekend. All the best against the Huskies. All the best throughout the season. I hope we can talk again. Awesome. Thanks. That is Jason Fram, defenseman for the U of A Golden Bears, going into his third season, U Sports Defenseman of the Year last year. Uh, I don't know if anybody stayed up overnight and watched the Ryder Cup. Well, you could watch it uh, when you get up in the morning, too. Europe, a little bit of history 
on day one over the U.S. at the Ryder Cup. Europe completing its first shutout in any session since 1989 and its first sweep ever in foursomes. That's the alternate shot. Europe was down 3-1 after the first session, but stormed back with a 5-3 lead heading into day two. Henrik Stenson, though, knows that lead can disappear quickly. They're a very, very strong team with strong competitors and they're obviously going to motivate them to come harder after us tomorrow morning and they want to get those points back as soon as possible. So as, as nice it is to, to get that advantage in, in this uh, session, we have to be prepared that they're going to come hard after us tomorrow. Yeah, well, and U.S. Captain Jim Furyk says that's uh, that's what they're going to do. you got to look at it. We've played for eight points so far out of 28. So uh, the event's still pretty young. We've got uh, one more team format tomorrow and, and then a single. So, uh, you know, eight out of 28, uh, you know, pretty small percentage of this golf tournament being played. Uh, love the Ryder Cup. The playing time's not as conducive to viewing, though, this time around. Well, they teed off at midnight mountain time last night. Uh, Toronto trying to hold Calgary out of the end zone. Calgary is going to have to settle for a field goal incomplete on second and goal from the six. It is currently 8-7. The Stampeders leading the Argos. They're four minutes and 15 seconds into the second quarter. Canada West football, six minutes left in the second quarter over at Foot Field. UBC leading the Alberta Golden Bears 10-6. Western Hockey League now into the second period at Rogers Place. The Oil Kings up 2-0 on the Swift Current Broncos. All right, big day tomorrow here on 6.30, Chad. 11.30 face-off show. I'll join you from Rogers Place. 1 o'clock puck drop. Oilers and Flames. Hockey coverage until 4.30. Then over to the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Eskimos and Bombers. That one will start at 5. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy. He's our studio producer. Dave Campbell is the producer of Inside Sports. Thanks a lot to everybody who texted in. Oddly enough, no blockbuster coupons were presented for redemption. If you find them, we'll take them. Thanks to our guests, Jason Fram, Doug Brown, Karen and Danny Pelche, and Morley Scott. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the full day of sports on Ched tomorrow. It's Friday. 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Ched.